Welcome back to the When to Jump podcast. My name is Mike Lewis. Boy, was last week cool. I just can't get over it. It is so fun to bring the community into the podcast. Another huge thanks to Brian in LA. He had a killer question, which was, how do you get thinking of the jump you want to make when it's not so obvious? Uh, we had such a response from the podcast. We actually started a three-day weekend challenge. Uh, we announced it on our newsletter. It was kind of like a flash open and close for entries. And the idea was to take people through a mini brainstorm uh, to kind of start thinking about what they're interested, what they might jump into. Uh, we put together some questions and exercises where it would go through five minutes a day, three days, and at the end get you a little bit closer to a jump to make or things you might want to research more. Um, really, really cool. We, we had it open on the newsletter um, after we announced it for like like a day and a half. We had over 100 folks sign up. I'm super excited to share some of the stories about that uh, that have come out of that brainstorm with you. Uh, and of course, if you want to do any future challenges with us that we may throw out from great questions like uh, people from uh, LA named Brian, you can sign up on the newsletter, uh, which is just wendajump.com slash newsletter. But, uh, but thank you to all those who are listening who participate in the challenge. We'd love to hear how that went for you. Getting to today's episode, this week's guest is actually a married couple, Megan and Brian Fitzgerald. They jumped together to start an educational marketplace that offers interactive learning and playful instruction courses and programs to kids. It's called Tinker Garden. But what's really cool about this is that the jump was really hard to make and not because the idea was something that Brian and Megan doubted. The tricky part was that they themselves had kids. They were married, they had responsibilities, a mortgage, kids on the way, kids living, all that stuff to deal with. And so this is a story of how do you jump when there's real things tying you down? It reminded me of a situation uh, close to me from the When to Jump family. Um, our rock star digital marketing lead, Amy Van Haren, um, is a mother. In addition to all of her work for When to Jump, she has her own side jump, which is a small business called Pump Spotting. Uh, Pump Spotting helps promote exposure uh, and visibility for the uh, the benefits of allowing breastfeeding to occur in the work in the workplace and and elsewhere. It's an amazing community, an amazing small business. Amy's able to just wear a million different hats and and is really doing great things with Pump Spotting. But I bring this up because not too long ago she had an idea for a nationwide tour to buy an RV and go around the country, bring awareness to breastfeeding moms and to, to companies and workplaces all around the U.S. to say, hey, breastfeeding should be a, a thing that everyone welcomes and advocates for. And when she was thinking about this idea, she told me, and I quote, going on a three-month cross-country tour is a big undertaking with a family. It's a huge ask of your partner and for your kids to go along and a huge worry to leave them behind for weeks. I'm struggling with how to navigate that in a way that can work for us all. So again, this goes back to the question with Brian and Megan. Can you jump when you're also a leading member of your family, supporting children, have a whole life and, and work and kind of settled path that you're on? The answer, as, as you'll learn from the conversation today with Brian and Megan, is, is yes. It is, it is actually possible. It's not easy, but it is possible to jump when you're married, when you've got a family, when you've got a lot of other folks you're, you're you know, considering and, and speaking for and thinking for when you take a jump. So ultimately, Amy learned this 
uh, her family has made a plan to enable her to jump. The RV is called the Breast Express, which is pretty amazing. They're going to have a calendar that the kids made up. She said to me, quote, my kids helped me make a calendar and map of dates and destinations so they can follow along and I'll FaceTime with them from each of the different places, end quote. They've also created a schedule where they'll mix in the real time together with the digital time together. And bottom line, they've made it work. They've made a plan that's going to work. They're going on the tour in just a few weeks. Amy's got the Breast Express. Uh, if you want to follow it, you can go to pumpspotting.com. The point here is, is yes, it is possible. And we're going to learn from Brian and Megan on the podcast today what it took to start Tinker Garden, what it was like to push past the fears, the very real fears, of, of children and, and a home to account for in starting what is now one of the, the leading platforms and marketplaces for uh, young educational programs and activities that are, that are truly reshaping not just uh, programs within our communities, but neighborhoods and families in such a positive way across the country. So I'll stop it here. Enjoy the conversation with the founders of Tinker Garden, Brian and Megan Fitzgerald, here on the When to Jump podcast today. So tell us a little bit about Tinker Garden. What is it and how did you get to that? So Tinker Garden is a technology-enabled network of early childhood educators who offer play-based kids classes in their local park. So for the person who experiences it, the parent, the caregiver, or the child, it's a class they attend once a week together in the local park, and they learn about how play in nature really helps children develop. So both the child learns and the adult learns, and they're part of a community in that class and a broader Tinker Garden community um, And as they're developing and helping their kids grow. And can you tell us a little bit about how you started that? Where did the idea come from? I think it helps to understand our different backgrounds. I, I'm, I have been uh, spent my career in consumer technology, so I've helped build products and services for companies like Yahoo and Amazon and um, I've spent a lot of time in recent years on education, particularly uh, education products that parents can use. Um, and then Megan is, is kind of the career educator, the real educator right. <laughs> in the group. Right. So um, we have a good bit of dangerous crossover, but I spent my time in classrooms and being a coach to teachers and then an elementary school principal. So Brian would come home talking about how important it was to be hiring for you know the progressive startups he was in, saying we really need people who can problem solve, collaborate, think flexibly. This is what we're looking for, and then the way you develop those skills is through open-ended and exploratory play, right? And in environments that are ever changing and really sensory rich, and so looking at the lives of children as they were more and more structured, more and more adult-led, and more and more trending toward you know, a mono or two sensory technology world that really concerned about what was going to be happening for kids in order for them to prepare to be the people that Brian was trying to hire and that, you know, they need to be. So this is what we talk about a lot. Yeah. And I, I, I think the, you know, the general trends that we were seeing kids spending more time indoors, you know, by the time they're eight years old, they've, they're spending about seven or eight hours a day in front of a screen. Yeah. You know, these were just kind of pretty, pretty alarming trends to us, even before we had children. You know, then our first daughter came along and we, it really hit home. And, yeah. you know, we said to ourselves, geez, this isn't even, uh, you know, uh, something that we're driven to want to 
explore or or think about this is actually something that we have to do right as as a family and i think that's when it really started to take off and what year was this 2010 2011 uh, yeah, yeah exactly and so you know tinker garden really started as a side project um yeah. i was working you know a job and a half and right. we had a young baby and and meg had taken some time off and and but nights and weekends yeah. you know we would we would think about this idea this this idea of tinker garden and this curriculum that we wanted to de develop and what we would do is effectively brainstorm ideas we would uh we would prototype them out in prospect park in brooklyn subject um, our friends to subject these. Our, our friends <laughs> and, and you know the young Neighbors, babies yeah. who were you know six months or 12 months old then at the time uh, to to these ideas and we would document them and we would publish them online yep. We'd videotape it sometimes and we would just refine this process from there um, it, We got to the point where we we started people started to hear about it yeah. And I think you know Meg had posted on a, a message board in our in our neighborhood at, at one point You know, hey, I'm gonna be running a, a class up in the park and you know immediately got about 30 or 40 responses and you know it yeah. was it was two or three times more people than she could even handle and you know after seeing that pattern you know over several times we ended up hiring a few more teachers ran a few more classes and it, it, at that point really you know understood that this was something a little bit beyond something that we thought was was right. interesting there were actually parents who also wanted their kids to have it what were the first classes like what what were you doing that that drew 30 you know, families and folks signing up yeah um so the first classes were not entirely dissimilar to what we do now um the structure was pretty similar we were having a circle time and we were singing songs and we were um you know we were going through the structure that you would be a good structure for a kids class but we were presenting from the beginning we wanted to create a a, a set of experiences that sort of reverse engineered this joyful moment that we had as kids when we were outside and this this wonder kind of state, uh, which we felt like was really necessary to make memorable learning moments and learning moments that kids owned. Um, so one of the things that we would do, for example, was we would, I would come and say, we're gonna paint today, everybody, and I can't wait to paint. We're gonna make, maybe we'll make thank you cards for the people that run Prospect Park. But, uh-oh, I forgot all the paints. What are we going to do? And then the, the kids can't help but want to help the adults solve that problem. And then we're using all of the materials around us, the water. Oh, cool. And maybe I've brought some blackberries, you know, but to little <laughs> kids, that's just like, well, of course you brought blackberries today. <laughs> Leaving all of these materials around and allowing kids to, to make their way and discover how to solve that problem. And it's never the same answer twice, um, but it's the, it's the process, right? It's the... It's that exploration, that 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 thinking process and creativity that happens. And that that's what the class is really all about. Do you think that that's something that is just fundamentally lacking in, in a world in which you're supposed to color in the lines, you have an app for that, there's structured playground time and rules around what you can touch, what you can't. Are we just missing that right now in our society with kids? I think there's a, a bigger social trend here. Um, where, you know, it's the same trend when you think about the fact that you can get, you know, 600 combinations of a coffee when you walk into a Starbucks, right? There's, <laughs> yeah. an, there's an expectation that there's precision and, and uh, narrowing and specificity in basically everything that we do. So why wouldn't that be different in parenting, right? Why shouldn't my child be able to start reading 
three years earlier yeah. than any other child? Why, you know, if I have the right app, or why shouldn't I be able to get access or expert access with a few clicks and a Google search it, to learn, you know, something very, very specific? Um, and what's been lost, you know, in, in this in this kind of moment is just the general mess making, right? <laughs> Which yeah. uh, you just kind of get together. There aren't any rules. There there aren't any boundaries. You don't re even really know what you're doing there. And but from there is is sort of the basis for experimentation and risk taking. And uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that we just don't ever allow ourselves to do in this world anymore. And what would you say adults can pick from this? It obviously isn't just limited to, to child development and adolescent development. There's got to be implications for for us as grown-ups and, and also things we can do to change that each day, right? Yeah, it's, you know, I'm always like reminded by these, you know, these, these great creators. I think Picasso had a quote about, you know, it took me a lifetime to learn how to paint like a child. And I, I think we can all learn from this. If you talk to anybody in their, their job, you know, they're always looking for the the creative outlet that chance to take a meeting or the chance to have a human interaction with somebody where they can get out of their box a little bit and think or do something differently or you know it's it's basically this insatiable desire to want to play and i think that's how humans are hardwired and i think we we have like this giant blanket over us that disallows us from doing that <laughs> on a regular basis At what point, going back to the story, did you say, we've got something here and a bigger jump was necessary? We came to the big leap point, I feel like, in 2014. 14, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, then several things coalesced. Around, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that we were running these local classes. We were getting, you know, it was resonating. Uh, we reached out to folks in suburban areas and rural areas in different pockets of the country. And on a whim sort of said, hey, if we can hop on a Skype session with you and try to train you online. Um, would you try to do this for us? And would you allow us to sort of like measure what happens and pick you know, your brain, pick and, your brain a yep. bit? And, um, and we ran about a half dozen of these, these prototype tests around the country. And uh, what was entirely clear to us at that point was uh, this is a universal idea, right? This is something yeah. that no matter where you grow up, in what part of the country, urban, suburban, rural, any income level, uh, it's something that's on your mind and something you care about. <clears throat> so very consistently, what we would see in every one of these communities is, oh, I'd like to become the leader, or I know exactly who the leader is in this community, or I want my kids to have this, right? I want my kids to have this kind of a childhood. <clears throat> and so once we got the validation and com confidence around that, I think we began to you know, set our sights on what would be the scalable platform that would allow this to happen in every community everywhere. Right, and we started really knowing what we would need to do to build a virtual training platform and to you know, account for quality of every session, all the things that were a little bit were different than working with humans in the local area. So. And then like, like everything else, there's like, you know, another point in life happens. And um, for me, uh, you know, I was, uh, I had decided I was going to, you know, wrap things up with my current job and it was, it was time to, you know, kind of move on and do something different. And so I took, uh, I took a, a short break um, and my goal was I'm going to hang out for the holidays. We were going to take a little trip, I mm -hmm. think. And, yep. um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll go off and, and, 
you know, find another yeah, you're job. Gonna find a job. And, yeah. um, you know, as I started. And that didn't happen. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I was, you know, been in the, the business for a while, so pretty hooked into some networks. Uh, and, you know, would just go and talk to some old friends and, you know, various investors and, and you know, people at startups, you know, kind of looking for what was interesting. But there was just, just this obsession that was also going on in my head. So every conversation I was having was like like a fraction uh, uh, as interesting as what I wa was going to do when I got home. Exactly. And if that's not a sign, I don't know what is, right? I remember the same exact feeling when I was uh, coming back. Um, you know, putting my bags down from playing squash and starting to interview with, with you know, similar types of folks in, in the industry I knew. And yet every conversation I was bringing to the three stories of jumpers that I had in my backpack. And it was like, okay, I think this is the point where, you know, you got to do something about the thing you're thinking. That's right. Definitely. Yeah. And, it, you know, so you just sort of reach this point in your gut, you know exactly what should be done. And in, yeah, your, in, exactly. your, in your head, you have every reason in the world to believe that this is a ridiculous idea. Yeah, especially when it's two people in a household who are deciding to take the leap together. There's a little that's I think it was so interesting at, you know, the builders and innovators to see how many husband wife teams actually were there because it is a big leap to go together. Um, and, and we actually, on a personal level, found out we were having our third daughter at this moment and we're like oh boy <laughs> oh my gosh at the at really literally as we were deciding whether you should we should actually double down on this and, and give this a go and i think for a lot of people that would have been the universe saying maybe not you know but it actually was it was caused us to both say could we live with ourselves if we didn't give this a try and the answer was no i think it's much better for us to figure out how can we be you know how can we have a family and and do this and you know if and and it just we we couldn't say no um and i think that was that's what you need to have if you're going to do this too you just have to have such faith and such a pull um to see this thing through because it's hard to see things through as you know um but it would just felt like something that neither one of us could could imagine a world where we didn't regret not trying and you go forward and what happens next so what happens next is we take a little bit of you know, yeah. seed investment and <clears throat> that um, seed investment basically allows us to build the technology mm -hmm. um, required in order to start to recruit, uh, vet, train and mobilize teachers in, in every community. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, you know, managed to convince an old friend and colleague of mine, Gary Burns, who was then the CTO at meetup.com that this was an idea that he couldn't not pay attention to. He had kids <laughs> and he knew that, you know, the world needed this. And um, I think, uh, you know, convincing him to come on under the fold and help us to start to build a small team, you know, in order to help to to build toward this vision, um, you know, that, that allowed us to get in the game. So in spring of 2015, we ran uh, with the first 20 or so leaders um, on this new platform um, <clears throat> where we were doing live uh, online training, video training, mm -hmm. you know, asynchronous uh, training and support. Uh, people were assigned coaches. We were uh, doing enrollment all online and we were giving parent coaching, you know, yep. all happening online. And, um, you know, what's, what's happened since then has been really, you know, obviously very exciting for us. So in in a matter of a couple of years, 
<clears throat> those handful of leaders who were at, in one geography at that point yeah. have now spread out to be you know over over a thousand leaders across most U.S. states uh, with nearly a hundred thousand families who have now participated and um, uh, you know the rate of of, of uh, growth is is actually quite high um, in terms of <laughs> the amount yeah. of the amount of people who are applying now to become oh, wow, yeah. leaders and um, you know seeing hundreds and hundreds of those people roll in every day. To briefly describe, anyone if you go to the website tinkergarden.com, you can you can search through keywords and types of activities and duration of play uh, for classes near you that are led by one of these leaders uh, in small groups of ch with other children and families. Uh, for those who, I guess my meta point, are not educators by background, you're almost allowing them to bring something you know, from their background into the equation. That's unique, right? Whether they were a teacher or well, not a teacher, but a, maybe a doctor or a lawyer or an actor or something that, that has no business being in education in a previous world, but now gets to, to be something they mesh together with. Definitely. We have so many people who said, I always wondered what would have happened if I'd been a teacher or I just have always loved kids and I'm loving my work in a way that I just didn't love what I did before. And um, and that this is definitely a way to jump and to, to try something else. Um, and that's true for people even who are educators. We have a lot of classroom teachers who really felt like the kind of teaching that they had to do at moments, um, much as I love the system, really wasn't what they felt was best for kids. And that this is a chance to jump from that feeling into the kind of teaching that they always long to do. So we hear that from almost from both groups, if that makes sense. But I think it really does overlap with the, the when to jump idea. These stories are really interesting in, in, in that you've got, you know, retired teachers who mm. remember a time where yeah. learning used to be like this and are very cognizant of how it's changed, who say to us, I want to do it again. I, you guys are, are kind of hearkening back to the way it used to be. Mm -hmm. And that's why I want to, you know, in my retired, you know, part of life, I want to come back and be a, a Tinker Garden leader or, you know, a stay at home mom who is uh, with, you know, her children uh, throughout the day, who is really tuned in to early childhood development in a profound way to be the expert within her community, the, the, the mm -hmm. person who is getting this kind of training development support who can then share those ideas with within her community we've we've talked about the incredible momentum and traction and it wouldn't be a, a when to jump podcast if we didn't also talk about what makes this so hard and what are the 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 realities of being uh, not just founders, but but a married couple making a go at this that has risk and has challenges. What can you tell folks about what it's really like to go for this? I mean, one thing that you know I can say from a you know from a couple perspective, you know, doing this together, I, I, we had an instinct around this, which was if we could figure out a way to start a business together, we will be the best co-founders that one could find, right? Because you you so implicitly trust this person and you have such a, a shared respect for the other person's mm -hmm. set of skills and discipline that why wouldn't that be an amazing combination? I think what we've learned about it though is that the communication piece is really, really important, particularly in the case where we have you know, three kids now under the age, under of, the age of seven, seven uh, <laughs> and, you know, trying yeah. to manage that job as well. Mm -hmm. um, it just, re you know, it requires a, a elevated level of communication mm -hmm. um, and, and being really specific about one another's needs, I think, yeah. 
is, and, and then so anyway, that's that's some of the, you know, kind of le learning and growth I think that we've we've taken out of it. Yeah, and I think when you have your when you create something, um, and especially when there are humans involved who are now coming on board and and giving their time and love and passion or creating their own little instance of this, it's really hard to pull away from that. Um, so to learn to have boundaries and to learn that, wait, maybe on a Tuesday night, I'm really interested in talking about a problem I'm trying to solve, but Brian is ready to be done for the day, you know, and trying <laughs> to figure out how to manage that because you could be 24 hours at any startup that you love. And then when you're both could be 24 hours, it, you really have to learn how to say, this is date night. This is, you know, I'm open, I'm closed, you know. The neighbors are coming over, no more Tinker Garden conversations. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I think you need a whole world of support. So we are very lucky to have uh, parents and great, you know, aunts and neighbors and friends who can help us with this um, and, and are truly wholeheartedly supportive. I, there's, there's no way we could do that without them as well. Yeah. And what advice would you give to folks, whether they are, um, you know, with a partner thinking about taking a jump into something or are just in that kind of ideation phase as they, you know, listen to this on a commuter at their desk? What, what would you tell them about taking a jump? You know, as it, as it relates, yeah, to just kind of the greater uh, idea of following, following a passion, um, you know, like Tinker Garden in our case, um, you know, to me, it's it's it really comes down to uh, listening to yourself. And um, I happen to be hardwired, I think, as the kind of person who can't turn down the volume on stuff like this when it's bubbling up from within inside me. Um, uh, I, I realize that most, you know, many other people might not be that way, but I do feel like there is there is a volume knob in everyone, right? Yep. And and yeah. part of the skill is like just being able to kind of listen and tune mm -hmm. into it and and maybe have a little bit of like fearlessness about turning it up a bit <laughs> yeah yeah and I think, yeah. yeah to add to that you needed and we needed we each needed to have a lot of conversations so i think another idea is when you have an idea like shop it and talk about it and meet with people and have people push on it and pull on it be prepared for plenty of people that think it's a crazy idea and to advise you to take the job instead of to take the jump uh but but in every one of those conversations, it caused you to listen close, closely to how you were feeling in response to those conversations. I had the same, you know, talking to experts, talking to people in my field. What do you think about this? What you know, talking to other moms and other people around the country, that was really important for us. Is we just became we honed our thoughts about it through all those conversations. I think you can't have enough of them. Brian and Megan, thank you so much for joining me as uh, the first couple to join the When to Jump podcast. I really appreciate your time and best of luck with Tinker Garden. Oh, it was wonderful, Mike. Thanks for Thanks making the lot, time Mike. for us this too. Was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. That will just about do it for the When to Jump podcast. For more on Brian, Megan, and their story around starting Tinker Garden, you should check out Tinker Garden on the web at tinkergarden.com. They've reached over 100,000 kids in helping put them outside through different educational programs and instruction. They have over 1,500 leaders, and they're in every state in the country. Uh, incredible stuff, an amazing jump story, not just about starting a company, but again, what it takes to jump with a family. And for more on Amy, you can check out pumpspotting.com forward slash the breast express. I appreciate her 
sharing her challenge and solution with us. And again, if you've got a question or a jump to make or a comment or something you want to share with our audience, uh, just email us, jump at mcmillan.com. That's J-U-M-P at mcmillan, M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N.com. You can also submit a form through the website, uh, whentojump.com. You can follow us on social. You know where to find us at when to jump on Instagram. When to jump on Facebook is facebook.com slash when to jump and at when to jump on Twitter. Uh, six days left until we will end up wrapping up the uh, applications for the Jump Fundamentals course. It'll be our second and final session for the spring. Check out whentojump.com forward slash jump school if you're interested. And thank you again to the over 100 folks who participated in our three-day weekend challenge that was really fun to uh to just get the ball rolling on finding out what that jump is so we look forward to hearing from you send in your questions share your thoughts and thank you for listening to the when to jump podcast we'll catch you next week